Welcome to Russian History Retold, Episode 268, Mikhail Kutuzov, Military Genius and Napoleon's Nemesis, Part 4. Last time, we covered the years prior to Russia's entry into the war against Napoleon Bonaparte. Today, we will talk about the lead-up to the defeat of his French rival. We're now in the fall of 1805, and Napoleon's Grande Armée was on the march, heading towards Vienna. But, unfortunately, the Russians and Austrians again were at each other's throats. As Mikabirdze puts it in his biography of Kutuzov, quote, Austro-Russian relations had never been the friendliest. The events of late October only worsened them. Upset as they were about the Austrian failures at Ulm, the Russians were more incensed by what they considered the Austrians' haughty demeanor, foot-dragging, and mismanagement. He further wrote, The Russians were upset by reports that the Austrians had refused to provide sufficient care for the Russian sick in Linz, where the sole hospital quickly exceeded its capacity, housing some 700 patients when intended for 250. The Prussians, for their part, were vacillating between getting involved in the conflict or sitting on the sidelines. Napoleon for himself was really not concerned about that probability, as he was laser-focused on the enemies at hand, the Russians and the Austrians. Kutuzov was well aware that there was no way his contingent could face the much larger Grande Armée. He knew that his best chance for survival was put together a managed retreat. With Napoleon attacking the Austrian and Russian rearguard, the Austrians, under Lieutenant General Mervelt, decided to split away from Kutuzov's army and head off toward Vienna. Kutuzov was unaware of this decision, which caused him to abandon his defensive positions at ends. It created a dire situation for his men. General Berg of the Russian army wrote, quote, Our retreat from ends proved terrible for the local inhabitants. Our men were without bread and provisions and had to survive through robbery and pillage. For several days, my officers and I had nothing to eat but potatoes and cabbages that the locals used to feed their animals. All the villages were empty because the residents had fled and took away all of their cattle and as many provisions as they could. And since most of the army had gone before us, anything of value had already been stripped. The leader of the rear guard was Prince Pyotr Ivanovich Bagration. The French were now close to the Russian army and began their attack on November 5, 1805. Kutuzov ordered Bagration and General Miloradovich to hold off the French at all costs. The Battle of Amstetten was to be the first actual fight between the Russian and French forces. When it was over, Kutuzov had successfully pulled off the retreat, but at a significant cost. Over 700 Russians had been captured, and they suffered 300 casualties. The French, though, had lost 1,000 men who were either killed or wounded. As Kutuzov gathered his men away from the ground armée, he was stunned to learn that the Austrians and the French were negotiating a settlement that would have trapped the Russians in foreign territory. 
To make matters worse, Tsar Alexander sent Kutuzov a message to attack the French instead of just holding on to a defensive position. The Austrian Kaiser was begging for help in defending Vienna. The Russian general decided to listen to neither, as he knew that he was in no position to go into a pitched battle against the Grande Armée, so he continued his retreat. The decision to continue away from Vienna was not only brilliant, but it also saved the Russian army. With Vienna now unprotected, the Austrians hastily abandoned the city. This caused the French to make a critical mistake. Instead of pursuing Kutuzov, they decided to take Vienna. It also exposed a French corps on the northern bank of the Danube. The Battle of Krems-Durenstein was on. In the end, neither side could claim victory. And both sides lost 3,000 men in the fighting. Still, the Russians could argue they were able to counterpunch the French and fight them on equal footing. Kutuzov would be awarded the Grand Cross of the Military Order of Maria Theresa, the highest Austrian award. With a number of other battles won by Kutuzov and his men through the month of November 1805, the Allies began to get a little cocky, believing they now had the upper hand against Napoleon. Tsar Alexander was now in attendance, along with the Austrian king, Francis. Further improving the mood was the knowledge that the Prussians were going to send 100,000 soldiers into action against the French. Kutuzov argued that the position that they now held at Olmutz favored the Allies. A number of senior officers agreed that staying behind the formidable ramparts at Olmutz was the wisest decision. But neither Alexander nor Francis would listen. Alexander wanted to command the Russian army and hopefully lead to a glorious victory. Kutuzov and many other generals tried to persuade both the Russian and Austrian leaders to think otherwise, but they were overruled. Still, the Allied armies were slow to move into position, and Napoleon knew it. The thought around the Allied camp was that the French were weak and that they would be incapable of mounting a strong defense. So Napoleon abandoned his position on the Pratzen Plateau, something the Allies saw as a sign of weakness. But it wasn't. It was planned to deceive the enemy. As Napoleon was known to say, quote, Never interfere with an enemy while he's making a mistake. On December 1st, 1805, the forces gathered around a town known as Austerlitz. General Franz von Weirother had drawn up the plans of attack, which Kutuzov was furious with. He was heard to have said, quote, I cannot consent to this. This is Napoleon's plan. Unfortunately for Kutuzov, he resigned to listening to his commander, Tsar Alexander I, who went along with Weirother's proposed strategy. It has been suggested by several military historians that had the Allies attacked Napoleon on November 30th, or even on December 1st, they would have easily defeated the French Grande Armée as their reinforcements had not yet arrived. But, of course, they didn't, and the ensuing battle would be devastating to the Allies. Despite all the protestations made by Kutuzov, 
the Battle of Austerlitz, also known as the Battle of the Three Emperors, was an incredible disaster. The numbers of casualties and those taken prisoner bear the fact wide open. While the French lost 9,000 men, the Allies had 6,000 killed, 9,600 wounded, and 20,000 taken prisoner, with the majority of those lost being Russian. This caused the dissolution of the Third Coalition, which made this horrendous loss even worse. The Austrians blamed the Russians for the defeat and vice versa. However, the, general, the Russian generals were almost unanimously blaming the plan of Weirother and Austrian incompetence for the loss. The Treaty of Pressburg took the Austrians out of the war against Napoleon, ending the Holy Roman Empire, which had ruled over the German lands for almost a thousand years. Kutuzov was asked to draw two reports at what happened at Austerlitz, a public version and a private one. The public was told what happened in a kind of a manner-of-fact manner. The confidential report was far more critical of the role of Tsar Alexander and how the Austrians had played. The following two years of Kutuzov's life, 1806 to 1808, were known as the Wilderness Years. He would initially be named the governor of the area around the ancient Rus city, Kiev. It was considered by many outsiders as a demotion and embarrassment for Kutuzov. But in actuality, it was kind of a godsend. The family was deep in debt, so the position was good financially. But there was an additional job that was put on Kutuzov's shoulders, preparing 600,000 new soldiers for battle. The Prussians decided to fight Napoleon alone, but that turned out, as you might guess, to be a fiasco. The loss at the Battle of Jena-Auerstadt led to a complete collapse of the Prussian military. As a result, Russia was facing the entirety of the Grand Armée alone. The Battle of Ilau would show how unprepared the Russians were for war without Kutuzov at its helm. General Benningsen, you know, he declared Ilau a victory, but it was anything but. On June 25, 1807, in the middle of the Niemen River, Tsar Alexander and Napoleon Bonaparte met on a raft to discuss terms. Alexander was said to have told his nemesis that, quote, I hate the English as much as you do. To which Napoleon replied, quote, In that case, peace is made. On July 7th, the Treaty of Tilsit was signed, ending hostilities between the two countries. The Russians agreed to end all trade with the British and pledged to declare war on Britain if they refused to settle with the French. In addition, Napoleon guaranteed that the French would help the Russians in any conflict with the Ottoman Empire if they refused to settle with the Russians. After the Allies defeated Austerlitz, the Ottomans decided to switch sides and saddle up with the French. Starting in October 1806, hostilities between the Russians and the Turks began. Kutuzov would leave his boring position in Kiev on March 28, 1808, heading off to join Prince Porozovsky and Jassy to lead the army of Moldavia. 
Kutuzov's first job was ensuring that the 80,000 men under his and Prozorovsky's command were well supplied. Within the Ottoman hierarchy of the time, Sultan Selim III was overthrown and killed, replaced by Mustafa IV, who was quickly dispatched and replaced by Mahmoud II. Napoleon and Alexander met a second time in October 1808, which saw the Russian Tsar extract from the French an acceptance of the Russia's claim to the Danubian principalities. In exchange, Russia would aid France in its fight against Austria. When the Franco-Austrian War broke out in April 1809, Alexander declared war on Austria. But their army took so long to arrive in Galicia, the war was already over. For the next two years, fighting would rage along the Ottoman-Russian borders. Things were not going well for the overall commander, Prozorovsky, so he blamed Kutuzov for failing to end the conflict instead of taking personal responsibility. In return, Mikhail Kutuzov was made governor general of Lithuania. It was not the position that made Kutuzov happy. Prince Porozovsky died in August 1809 and was quickly replaced by Prince Peter Bagration. That would last until March 1810, as Tsar Alexander was generally displeased with Bagration's accomplishments, replacing him with General Nikolai Kamensky. Unfortunately, this would also not give the Tsar the total victory he needed. Relations between the Russians and the French were deteriorating rapidly. Alexander knew it was only a matter of time before Napoleon invaded Russia. He needed the war against the Turks to end and end quickly. The Tsar knew only one man could salvage the situation, and it was Kutuzov. Gaining command in March 1811, the general had only 45,000 men to command as disease had ravaged the Russian army. This number was half what his previous three predecessors had at their disposal. Kutuzov's plan was to defend the center position and utilize his extensive network of confidants that he built up when he was the ambassador to the Ottoman Empire. On June 22, 1811, the Ottomans and the Russians met at the Battle of Ruskuk on the Danube. After a long struggle, the Russians successfully repelled Ahmad Pasha's much larger army. A few days later, as the Turks prepared to attack the Russians in the Ruskuk fortress, Kutuzov ordered his forces to cross the Danube and retreat back into Wallachia. Believing that the Russians were trying to escape, Ahmed Pasha launched an attack. This was to prove a huge mistake, as it was just a ruse to draw the Turks in. It would cause the Ottomans to lose their will to continue fighting. A ceasefire was agreed upon on October 25th, and approximately three weeks later, on November 14, 1811, Ahmed Pasha agreed to a truce and formally surrendered to Kutuzov. The magnitude of the Turkish defeat, with 36,000 casualties, ended the war along the Danube and led to peace negotiations, ultimately resulting in the signing of the Treaty of Bucharest on May 28, 1812. It could not have come too soon, as Napoleon was planning his invasion of Russia. In less than a month, 
on June 24, 1812, the Grand Armée would cross the Niemen River and begin the fight with the Russians. Surprisingly, Kutuzov was not given command of the Russian forces. This was assigned to Barclay de Tolly and Pyotr Bagration, who led around 180,000 to 220,000 men. Within six weeks, the French had run roughshod over the Russian countryside. Tsar Alexander was losing patience with his military leaders, as his position was in jeopardy should they lose the war to Napoleon. One of the reasons that Alexander did not appoint Kutuzov right away to lead his forces was his impatience with his general in negotiating the Treaty of Bucharest. The treaty did not satisfy either side which made matters even worse. The Ottoman sultan had one of the negotiators actually beheaded. In addition, Kutuzov had to deal with Admiral Chichagov, who was given control of the army of the Danube, which really angered the general. Not only that, but the treaty also drew Napoleon's ire as he had hoped to keep the Turks in the war to divert Russian resources away from his pending invasion. The Grand Armée crossed the Niemen River with over 600,000 men, far more than the 250,000 Russian troops ready for combat. One of the issues with Napoleon's army was that only half of them were French. The others were men supplied by former enemies with a smattering of allies. They included the Poles, Italians, Swiss, Bavarians, Badanese, Württembergers, Hessians, Westphalians, Saxons, Croats, Danes, and Prussians. The invaders were lined up in three groups. Napoleon led the main force in the center between Warsaw, Konigsberg, and Tilsit. Marshal Jacques Etienne MacDonald had the northern force, which would head into the Baltic provinces. The southern flank was led by Austrian General Karl Philipp Schwarzenberg. The sheer number of men that would enter Russia should have scared the living hell out of Tsar Alexander. But surprisingly, when told of the invasion during a dinner party, he kind of took it in stride. His proclamation to the people of Russia went like this, quote, We are left with no other choice but to turn to arms and appeal to the Almighty, the witness and defender of the truth. The ancient blood of the valiant Slavs flows in your veins. Warrior, you must defend your faith, your country, and your liberty. As the Napoleonic Wars had been going on for years, the Russian generals had been studying what was happening and what was succeeding against Napoleon. One thing that struck them was the Duke of Wellington's defensive strategy in Spain. It tied up about 200,000 of Napoleon's army with little to no success. So, Prussian General Gerhard von Scharnhorst told the Tsar to wage a defensive war, like Wellington does. As for Kutuzov, he was still not in the inner circle until the news from the Baltic front reached the Russian capital. It was bad. Really bad. The Franco-Prussian force had advanced into Lithuania, only 450 miles from St. Petersburg. It sent shockwaves into the city. So, of course, you can guess who they called upon to create the defense for St. Petersburg. Yep, Kutuzov. The general, 
knowing full well how small of a force he could muster up, some 8,000 men, dove into the effort before he was stunned to receive news that the assembly of the nobility in Moscow had named him their commander of the militia. Katuzov had to choose which one, and he chose St. Petersburg. Soon after, Tsar Alexander named the general commander of the armies and navies of St. Petersburg, Kronstadt, and Finland. In August, the Tsar heaped another title upon Kutuzov, Prince. It was a bittersweet elevation in ranks, as Russia was suffering terribly due to Napoleon's invasion. Numerous noble families lost their entire estates. Many lost all of their serfs to the advancing Grand Armée. But there was a silver lining to this dark and ominous cloud enveloping the Russian Empire. The invaders had taken land far too quickly, and their supply trains could not keep up with the advance. Not only were the men short of supplies, but the Russians had completely stripped the land of any food or shelter. They had begun a scorched-earth policy. Napoleon was forced to stop advancing, stopping at Vitebsk. It is here that the famed Corsican general would make his fateful and devastatingly wrong decision. Should he continue to pursue the retreating Russian armies, or should he stay here, consolidate his forces, prepare for winter, or push through to Moscow? Napoleon, as we know, obviously chose the latter. He thought there was enough time before the fierce Russian winter would take hold. On the Russian side, there was concern that the lack of fighting was treasonous. While this was the right way to fight the Grande Armée, the men making the decisions were mostly German in heritage, not Russian. The head of the military was Barclay de Tolly. He honestly struggled to convince the Russian officers of the value of his strategy of attrition, harassment of the supply trains, and hit-and-run fighting. Peter Bagration was different. He was a scion of Georgian nobility who ingratiated himself with the Russian officers. But, unfortunately, he was against the Tolly strategy. As he would write, quote, We must seize our destiny. The entire army, nay, all of Russia, demands attacking. Intelligence has suggested that Napoleon's forces were scattered throughout the region around Smolensk. That convinced the two Russian generals that now was the time to engage the enemy. It was a typical Napoleonic ruse. He wasn't scattered at all. He was fully ready and prepared to fight. The two Russian generals didn't know what to do when they realized their mistake. This gave the French general the time he needed to bring all his forces into battle. The Battle of Smolensk was a terrible defeat for the Russian forces. The city was in ruin, and thousands and thousands of Russian soldiers lay dead or wounded. While many officers wanted to continue to fight in Smolensk, Barclay de Tolly thought otherwise in order to retreat. Infighting amongst the German and Russian contingent got heated, with claims of treason being thrown out there. This left Tsar Alexander with no choice but to sack de Tolly. The emperor's closest military advisor, General Count Shuvalov, said the following, quote, The army is disgruntled. The soldiers are grumbling and have not the least confidence in the Dutoli. A new commander is necessary. 
one with authority over both armies, and your majesty should appoint him immediately. Otherwise, Russia is lost. The Tsar convened an extraordinary committee on August 17, 1812, to debate who would take the lead in the fight against Napoleon. A number of names were discussed by Gratian, Benningson, Tormasov, and Doktorov before Kutuzov was even mentioned. They all knew the Tsar's indifference to the Russian general, but they were convinced in the end that he was the only man to take the job and bring victory to Russia. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join me next time as we end the series with Mikhail Ilanovich Kutuzov dealing with Napoleon Bonaparte and winning the war for Russia. So, until next time, das vidanya i spasiva za